0: Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. This is season 13, episode 6. Today I'm going to be talking to TikTok star Jeremy Sheck, who spent high school perfecting his signature cupcakes, making quiches and coffee cake by the dozens at a local bakery, and teaching cooking demonstrations at Williams, Sonoma. As a 10th grader in 2016, he began documenting his favorite recipes on a blog called The After School Bakery. In college, Jeremy learned to make 50 gallons of ice cream in a food science lab, how to prune grapevines in the teaching vineyard, and the best way to milk a cow in northern Italy, and why film photography is an art worth saving. As a sophomore in 2020, he traded blog photos for video and became a TikTok culinary sensation. Jeremy's been featured on The Today Show, The Washington Post, Bloomberg, BBC Radio, People, and access hollywood among others jeremy is a graduate of cornell university and is a double major in spanish and italian and significant coursework in food science he lives in brooklyn new york now i'm going to take you to my conversation with jeremy sheck about his new book sheck eats welcome to the well-seasoned librarian podcast i'm your host dean jones today i'm very honored to be talking to tiktok star jeremy sheck he has a new book out called sheck eats cooking smarter Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. Jeremy, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks so much for having me. So um, just for our listeners who aren't
1: familiar with you, uh, where are you from originally and where are you living now? So I uh, was born in Washington, D.C. and grew up right in the area, first in the city and then right outside of Maryland. And um, I got my start like teaching myself how to cook when I was in high school, and I worked at a local bakery uh, when I was growing up. And also I ended up doing some baking demonstrations in William sonoma which led to getting a job there when I turned 18. So um, yeah, and now I live in New York. So
0: um, I wanna ask you, um, did you have any food inspiration or food mentors growing up that inspired you to begin cooking?
1: Yeah, I definitely had. um, My grandma was a big one. Uh, My dad's mom uh, was a big recipe developer. She has like binders full of uh, recipes that she has really been testing over the last 50 years or more. And um, so I have a lot of good memories like cooking with her for the holidays. And now that she's A little bit more old I um, try to take over as much as possible which is really special and also my mom is a very good cook she um, had four kids so a lot of it was like what can we get on the table realistically now for dinner and it wasn't necessarily out of a passion for cooking but um, I think that my book kind of hits a balance between like the real passion for finding great flavors and the realism of people are really busy and don't necessarily have time to like devote an entire day for one like for each recipe and go to a ton of different stores and stuff
0: very much known
1: for your TikTok
0: videos and your after-school bakery videos can you talk about that video series and how you came to create them
1: yeah. So basically, the After School Bakery was the blog that I created when I was in high school. And it was a way for me to like categorize and catalog the recipes that I was learning and practicing. And that wasn't something that was super uh, well trafficked, it was more just for fun and for my own personal development. But then um, when I was in college, I had this book idea basically the book that i wrote and um in the nicest way possible a cookbook author told me that it's just really impossible to get published and that would be probably a better use of my time to focus it on growing social media before i kind of look at look for a book agent or look for a publisher Um, and that was really great advice Um, and i was around the time where tiktok was really taking off I had seen some people make food content on TikTok and I kind of thought like given my background with um, writing recipes for my blog and taking pictures that it would be an easy way for me to combine all of the skills. So um, I did that and I was lucky enough to get in at a time where it wasn't completely oversaturated and it did really well. And then I was able to write the book that I wanted to all along, which was really nice. Um, So I do like making the videos and I enjoy the community on social media, but I definitely kind of always wanted to be an author first and use that as a way to get there.
0: Um, I want to talk about your uh, new book that you mentioned, um, which is called Sheck Eats, um, Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. First, I just have to ask, what's it like becoming a TikTok star and do people recognize you on the street?
1: It is funny cuz at the at first when my videos were really taking off, it was in the height of the pandemic and yeah. I was at my parents' house not leaving and so I didn't really have a gauge of like how many people would recognize me or something. And like these days I get recognized on the street like probably a few times a week um like nothing crazy but it is also a weird experience that I'm still getting used to. And most of the time people are like super lovely and just want to say hi, which is great.
0: Um, so um, you have a new book out. Um, it's out today as of this airing. We're going to have links to it in the bio and you can get it all better bookstores as well. Um, it's called Sheck Eats, Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. Can you talk about this book and how you came to create it?
1: Yeah, so basically when I was a freshman in college, I was getting ready to move into an apartment the next year and I was in the dorm my freshman year and I was super excited to have my own kitchen for the first time and I was thinking what would be the core ingredients that I would need to stock my pantry with what would be the core uh, equipment that I would need knowing that I had limited time and a limited budget and so the idea came out of that to create recipes that were Realistic and approachable uh, for any sort of person who is either busy or learning, or you know, still unsure about cooking. But would also be interesting for someone who is a seasoned cook. Or um, so to strike the balance is like not a completely easy thing to do because I I didn't want it to be kind of. Um, patronizing but I also wanted it to be something that any smart person could read and follow the instructions and really get it all um and so I think the recipes are like very um there's a very low barrier to entry because they're all based on staple ingredients and so a lot of the recipes only use those ingredients and then the ones that have additional ingredients it's like the chicken itself for very basic vegetables that are easy to find. Um, and it's similar with the equipment where you never have to use like a stand mixer or any kind of electric mixer for the baking. Um, everything can be done by hand. There's very minimal pans and stuff that I ask for because I think I just wanted to reflect the reality of a lot of people, whether they're in a college apartment or in the city, or they just don't have like the time to invest in, All this stuff.
0: You have a lot of very exciting recipes in the um, book. Some of them I'm really eager to try. Uh, So I have a list of some of the ones that I'm really looking to try in the next two weeks. Um, You have a honey lemon chicken recipe. Can you talk a little bit about this uh, for the audience and describe it to them?
1: Yeah. So this is one that my mom started making a lot when I was growing up. And What I like about it is that it's really hard to screw up and it's always a crowd pleaser. So I prefer to use chicken tenders for it, but you can also use breast. And um, basically you just season it and sear it on both sides, but you don't have to worry about cooking it through all the way. And then you put it in a pan with um, some honey, chicken stock and um, lemon juice and some slices of lemon and you bake it in the sauce until it kind of um, the chicken is cooked all the way through. But the thing that makes it really approachable is that when you're searing the chicken on the stove, you don't have to worry about, am I cooking it all the way through? And some people get worried about that. And I know a lot of people who say, I don't like cooking chicken because it's always kind of stressful. Also, since it cooks in the sauce, you can't really overdo it. So if oh, you nice. need to make it an hour ahead of time, you can just leave it in the oven on like 200 and it will stay good. Um, and that's something that like, when you are thinking about the practicality, like that's something that I definitely get from my mom because uh, she was always thinking about in terms of recipes, like I might need to make it an hour early. And I think timing for a meal can be one of the hardest parts like how to have everything ready and hot at the same time and so if it's a recipe that can just stay in the oven until you're ready to serve that is always a good thing
0: there's another one here that I'm really eager to try and I want to talk about for the audience and that's the coca-cola braised brisket can we talk about this and why you use coca-cola to braise it
1: Yeah, so I have a whole section on flavorful braising. And one of the things I hope to do with my recipes in general is impart not only the recipe itself, which will be delicious if you follow it to the letter, but also kind of empower people to please make it your own. And so I, um, with the Coca-Cola braised brisket, I Basically, the flavorful braising section has broadly what you can do with whatever cut you want, whether it's short ribs or a lamb shank or brisket or whatever. Um, and then I give two kind of solid, full-out recipes with the, this recipe being one of them. And... One of the things that I talk about in that section is how you need to make a flavorful liquid. And that can be done in a lot of ways. Um, I love using pomegranate juice. I love using red wine. I love using different types of stocks. And the great thing about Coca-Cola is that it has like acidity and it has sweetness and it really balances all the flavorful uh, savoriness of the meat. And um, it kind of like reduced down and gets a little bit syrupy. And um, it's a pretty common uh, ingredient. Like there's a lot of, when it's, when you're talking about the more Jewish style brisket recipes to make it with um, either like Coca-Cola or ginger ale is, is a pretty kind of classic way to do it.
0: You have another recipe and you have some great ways with pasta in this book. Um, one I wanna mention is spaghetti. Uglio e olio. Uh, Can you talk about some tips for this one and describe it also for people like me who tend to worry about burning garlic, if you can have any advice there as well.
1: Yeah, so this is a recipe that is kind of known in Italy as a recipe that you can make after a night of drinking because it's that easy (laughs) and that quick to make. Um, And so the whole thing can be done in the time that it takes to boil the pasta itself, um, about 10 minutes. So one thing to avoid burning garlic, cause aglio e olio just means garlic and oil. And a lot of times it's aglio, olio e peperoncino, which is garlic oil and like r- red pepper. Um, and so you basically will start with half of the oil and, um, cook that over like medium 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 low heat until the garlic starts to get uh kind of golden but then to make sure that you don't overcook it you can then add the other half of the oil later and that will kind of lower the temperature and stop burning oh um so that's something that I like to do and it's also important to really undercook the pasta and finish cooking it in the garlic oil in order to get like a nice emulsion
0: I like that. Thank you. Also, there was another one uh, in the book that kind of made me um, stop and take notice because I love the flavors here. I'm a huge fan of maple. I love zatar. You had maple zatar carrots. Can you tell us about this one, how you invented it, and how you came to, how do you use maple syrup and zatar to roast the carrots?
1: Yeah, um, this is a recipe that I started making in college. my friends and I would host a lot of different like holiday dinners together. And this was, uh, one that I wasn't hosting myself. So I was thinking like, what should I bring? And, um, I think carrots go really well with a sweet element cause they're kind of sweet themselves. And it kind of brings that element out of them. And a lot of times people do like honey glazed carrots. And I thought that, um, maple would be really nice for like the fall holidays. And then, um, I think that because that could be too sweet if you're not sure to sort of balance it out. Zatar has kind of a grassy, like herbal note, since it's like a type of uh it's related to thyme and um or and it kind of has an oregano flavor. And then it also has sumac and sesame in the mix. So sumac is kind of sour, sesame nutty. So it just kind of rounds everything out really well um and I actually make that recipe just on top of the stove kind of like pan roasted um which is also just helpful if you're making a lot of different things and you have stuff in the oven sometimes you want to just keep things in one spot and um so it's a very straightforward recipe. I like to add some fresh herbs and a little bit of uh, an acid to finish it, to brighten it up at the end, like uh, a type of vinegar or lemon juice is great as well.
0: Is there anything that you want to take people to take away from this book when they read it? Uh, anything you'd like to impart to them in your writing of the book?
1: A little bit, like I said before, I, I hope that people make the recipes and they love them. But also I really specifically wrote the recipes in a way to make it obvious that you can do it differently with whatever ingredients and flavors you like for yourself. Um, And as long as you follow the same steps, you can be aware of what are the things that can be changed easily. And what are the things that you should definitely still follow. Um, And I think that like cooking smarter is all about doing what you like in the kitchen and being empowered to make things for yourself. Um, There's also some really interesting um, food science sections in the book that aren't recipes per se, and that kind of gets into the side of science element of the subtitle. And um, I think those are really fun, especially if you are a more seasoned cook. You might know how cast iron works in practice but not really understand it on the scientific level like why does it actually work almost as a non-stick pan or what could be the potential problems of nonstick cookware or what does bottled citrus have in common with uh bottled perfume uh so there's a lot of interesting things that i think there's a little bit in it for everyone
0: i want to circle back and talk about your um the beginnings of your career. What was it like for you as a high school student working at Williams-Sonoma? Was that scary to kind of be out in front of people doing demonstrations?
1: Yeah, so when I was in high school, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I think I asked if I could do some sort of baking demonstration to go along with my blog, and they said yes, um, and I don't think they hire anyone under 18, but they kind of told me because the demonstrations went well, and I realized that, like, I kind of had a passion for the teaching aspect of cooking and not just the cooking itself, Um They kind of said, okay, when you turn 18, come back and get a job. And then I did. Uh, I worked there seasonally when I was in college uh, because we had really long winter and summer breaks. And uh, they actually had me teach the cooking classes at my local location. And also I was just like a regular uh, rep, uh, sales rep.
0: I want to ask about... um... Being a culinary influencer on TikTok, um, what's the most important skill if somebody wants to start doing their own TikTok videos? What do you think is the most important skill for them to access?
1: This, I don't know if this is a skill per se, but it's kind of my biggest advice is that you really have to be consistent and you have to make a lot of content. Uh, I don't think that it is. Like I, at the, my when I was first taking off, I was making more than one video per day. And I think to have that is really important. And even if your videos don't get a lot of views at the beginning, it's still pretty helpful because um, then you have a catalog of your work that you can show for other opportunities that you may have. So I think it's useful either way.
0: Well, I want to ask you, um, what was it like to be on the Today Show? How did that feel?
1: You know, it's interesting because when I was on the Today Show, it was still kind of peak pandemic. So I I was Zooming in from my college apartment. So it was special in a lot of ways because... I got a lot of exposure and a lot of people were calling my parents saying they saw me, but I didn't really get the moment of like being on set and like meeting them in person. So it was a little bit of a mixed bag in that regard.
0: uh, You must've been very nervous though. I imagine uh, what are some of the feedback that you got from relatives and stuff like that being able to see you? I mean, it must've been kind of thrilling to be on such a popular show. And did it boost the ratings of your blog
1: and your TikTok? Yeah, there was definitely a big uptick of people who saw it, which was really cool. And uh, it was kind of a blur, but um, it was really fun. It was a sort of long segment because I made an entire recipe start to finish. um, And um, I don't think I had like swaps made. So it was like really the full thing. Um, And yeah, it was a great opportunity.
0: Now, you live in Brooklyn, and New York, of course, is an exciting food city. What are some of your favorite places to eat in Brooklyn?
1: Yeah, one of my absolute favorite restaurants is called Sofra. It's a Persian restaurant um, Mm. in like Prospect Heights area. It might be Prospect Leopard's Garden, Um, and it is so delicious. Uh, Persian food is one of the most intricate and sophisticated cuisines, and it just so fresh and delicious another one of my favorites is called the four horsemen in williamsburg and um they have a michelin star but it's like a wine bar and it's very casual and the menu changes all the time and um it's kind of like farm to table new american and it's just always an exciting meal
0: so now that the book is out of this airing um
1: what's next for you I have another book idea so I'm really hoping that I'll be able to write another one soon. Um I would love to just keep writing cookbooks because I'm I'm so grateful to have the social media presence that I do but I really feel like I always did that in service of wanting to write books and it, this is the part of the job that I like the most. Um and so yeah I just hope to continue to be able to do that I think when people get the book they're gonna really like it and it will um speak for itself hopefully like the promotional aspect is a little stressful for me because I don't necessarily enjoy being self-promotional but I am super proud of my work and just hope that as many people as possible will get to see it
0: I want to mention again that um, we have links to the book to purchase it in the bio, and it's available at all better bookstores. Jeremy, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. I love getting a chance to talk to you. I hope a lot of people purchase this book for, for gifts for people for the holidays. I think it would make a perfect gift.
1: I agree. Thank you.
0: All right. That was my conversation with author Jeremy Sheck about his new book, Sheck Eats, Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science by Jeremy Sheck. That is out today as of this recording. You can get it online through the link in the bio, or you can buy it at all Better Bookstores. Next week, we're going to be talking with author Natalie Thompson about her cookbook, The Grazing Table. I look forward to having you hear that conversation next week. I hope you're having a happy Halloween. And until next week, hope to see you at the library.